the borderline almost philosophical work that has been done, and we see all the way up to chapters 9, 10, and 11. We talked about last time about what can separate you from the love of Christ. And then we, we go into these chapters 9, 10, 11, which I'm not going to talk about because the, here's the reason why. It deals with the problematic issues with Jews and their disbelief. For the Jews got to a place where they were becoming a bit arrogant and superior. And Paul was challenging them in chapters 9, 10, 11 to have a softened heart. As the gospel was for everyone, Jews and Gentiles. Do you remember the context of the church in Rome? Where initially the Jews had had an amazing experience at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. And they go to Rome and they, they develop, they plant a church. And, they, and then, for some reason, the, the, the Caesar doesn't really like them. And they, all the Jews are, like, are literally kicked out of the city. And what's left is this Gentiles, for years, having to pick up the, the remnants of the church and, and take it to the next season of life. The Jews then come back into the city of Rome, back into a kind of a well, you've changed the colors and you put black chairs and you, you, you painted things like, what are this? This is not the Jewish church that we had started. But we're very thankful that you've continued on the gospel work in Rome. Paul is challenging the Jews saying, don't be arrogant. Don't be superior. The gospel is for all people. And here after these chapters, 9, 10, 11, Paul, like in the other letters that he wrote, teaches more uh, pragmatic, a, a touch-point theology to the church members in Rome. As if this next chapter we're looking at this morning is a prescription pad for Dr. Paul. He administers multiple doses of practical theological life lessons in chapter 12. Turn to your Bibles to chapter 12. Do you remember? Does, does everyone have your Bible? Here it is. I, you could tell that I've done some, some work here. I've got the green and the pink and the green and the green and yellow and red. You know, when you have a, a Bible, I call it like my, uh, my workbench. You have a workbench in your garage, right? And, and you have a vice grip, and, you, and it's not supposed to look pretty. You're not, you're, if it has a gouge because of a grinder, because the table that I have, I was doing some grinding, and it's got a gouge in it, and it's sanded, it's gross, but a workbench is supposed to have all these kinds of things here to, to remind you the next time you read Romans. That's why it's so imperative, so important to have a, have a physical copy of the Word of God. Now, I have Logos Bible software. I have it on my phone. I have it on my tablet. I have all. But, you know, there's just something about sitting there in a cafe and, you, and, you're, and, you're, and you're, you're reading it. And then some guy goes, hey, man, what are you reading, brother? And I said, Romans. And I'm like, oh, it's a fantastic letter. You're like... It's so good. It's a great opportunity. Romans chapter 12 and the English Standard Version. First of all, people summon me like, oh, why do we always read ESV? Here's the thing. I was an NIV guy for years. So it's not that I have a, a problem with NIV. But I made the shift because NIV translates the Bible um, thought by thought, where ESV is word by word. So I just made the shift a few years ago wearing, I wanted the text to be more contextually, linguistically accurate. 
So if you're reading NIV, um, God still loves you, let's move on. <laughs> but if it's the message, you're out of here. No, I'm just sorry. <laughs> okay, so Romans 12, verse, and we're only going to do verse 1 and 2 because um, I'm breaking the scriptures in parts. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore. Paul says this, doesn't he? he whenever you see the word therefore, you always have to do what? Look back right? So if you see, I appeal to you, therefore. So you have to read chapters 8, 9, 10, 11 to understand where he's going at now. Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do we have an amen to that scripture? Amen. Here we see a sacrificial language as it would have connected to the Gentile believers in the church and to some of the Jews in the church. For see, the Gentiles would have understood sacrificial systems. There was temples to Hera and temples to all the other Dionysus and all these other gods, and they would have had people come and, and do sacrifices. They understand sacrificial languages, but so does the Jew. Do you remember in Genesis 22, where Abraham had been called of God, spoken by God to go and sacrifice what and who? Isaac, his own son, on top of a mountain. So for the Jew, they would have understood this idea that your body, your presentation of who you are is a living sacrifice to God. But Paul reminds us that we are to yield over the mind, body, and spirit. But hold on, for the Greek, at this time, the body was just a prison cell for the, the mind and the spirit. For the Greek, they didn't really necessarily care about the physical nature of this. But Paul says, oh, hold on. When we say body, we mean the whole package. You know, do, 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 like the whole thing. <laughs> mind, body, body, soul, strength, everything. Paul is saying you need to present yourself as this temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that word? Your body is a temple. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 to 20 says. Or do you not know that your body is what? A temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Not just the church body, but literally your body. That's why I try to work out. I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm trying. <laughs> healthy pastor, healthy church. But this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did I struggle for years to try to quit smoking? I did. Even after I became a Christian, I struggled. I, I'd buy a pack of cigarettes, have a couple walking home from work, and then my, my Christian roommate would be like, hey, man, I'm like, I'm sorry. I struggle. Man, I got to quit this thing. And it took a long time. So this idea, I'm like, I ran to Jesus and he saved me. That does happen. 
but it might be an over this process of continuing surrendering myself to God. God, I want this addiction to nicotine to be taken from me, Lord. And I have been uh, smoke-free for many, many years. Your bodies are holy and acceptable. I think I need to say this to some of you people today. God sees your body as well-pleasing. Like, I want to just say, I need to say something to some of you people. And body dysmorphia, like body image issues, is not just a woman thing. It's a guy thing, too. There have been guys and girls that I have talked to that have not seen their mirror for decades. They don't like what they see. And people have said, moms, dads, grandparents, have said, you were a mistake. We shouldn't have had you later on in our marriage or whatever. We should, you, are, you were supposed to be in an abortion. People have had that put on them, verbally told this. And so when they look in the mirror, all they see is what? Mistake. God doesn't make junk. And I've said this flippantly to, to teens and youth for hundreds of years. God doesn't make junk. But I need some of you to know that God sees your body. Look at this. Tattoos and all. <laughs> God sees this body well-pleasing. Like, the, can I just speak that over you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Like, it doesn't matter if you have lack of hair. I'm, I'm walking by you. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's like, ticks, like, oh no. Lack of hair, graying hair. My brother used to make fun of me. He's like, oh, you know, your hair's all getting all gray. He has a cul-de-sac, right? So I'm like, at least I got hair. Man, glass houses. But there's some of you this morning that have looked at themselves and, and you just don't like what it looks like. And God is saying here this morning, you are, I want to place, I, I yearn to place my Holy Spirit in your temple. Like, it's not like, oh, I guess I have to. Oh, what a vessel. What a vessel. Look at this. <laughs> Flip-flops every day. What a vessel. <laughs> God is saying this morning, the Holy Spirit is saying, I can't wait. I love being in this temple, this vessel, your body. And you are worth, and I, some of you need to hear this, that you are worthy of his acceptance and value. Your spiritual worship, though, is whatever you lay your hand to. Sometimes we look at the scripture and we think of it, oh, it's just worship at church, like what we just did 10 minutes ago. And Rachel and team, you did a phenomenal uh, job. And we're singing and we're praising, you know, like some might think that is worship, but actually the text here, the Greek actually says, no, it's not. Your spiritual worship is cleaning or, or sales or medical or repair or cooking or nursing or uh, being autom automotive repair, whatever it is. Your worship in the Greek is the word latria or in the verb it's latruin. And this work trans translates to the work for hire or pay, which we also get the word for serve. So this service 
means that whatever a man gives his whole life to, or woman gives his life to. Therefore, real, true worship is the offering, the service of everyday life to him. So I'm going to church to worship but actually, I'm going to the factory, or I'm going to the hospital, I'm going to the garden, I'm, I'm going to the mall, I'm going to Tim Hortons, or wherever you end up working. That's for the people in Canada on podcast. That is your spiritual act of worship. I, I struggled. Do you remember what Granville Chapel? I remember this guy was a police officer, and we were in the midst of: Do I become a youth pastor, or do I become a Vancouver police officer, a uh, Vancouver police officer, or a youth pastor? And and I was trying to go. Well, uh, I think the youth pastor is more spiritual. I get to do preaching and stuff. And this one guy that was part of the police force, he's like, "Yeah, but I could be equally as spiritual." Telling this guy in the back that I've probably arrested ten times. And he goes, ah, man, I just want to know how to set my right straight, my life straight. And he goes, in that moment, I have an opportunity to tell him about the gospel. So to, to be fair, it's like, who's more spiritual, pastor? I'm probably preaching the gospel more than you, son. I was like, ooh. His spiritual act of worship was being a police officer. And he oriented and positioned his life in such a way that this was ministry all the time. And it just blew my mind. I'm like, you mean to tell me my preaching, my ability to lead a church? And so, he goes, it's spiritual worship, but it's not the spiritual worship. And I think once we understand that you are called to be the priesthood of all believers, that you have a specific ministry where God has called you to be, that, la truen, is your spiritual worship. It's true. But then he says this, but don't conform. You've heard this scripture. Don't conform I love this. Uh, it, it, can you give me an image here of, of painting your mind of a chameleon? Have you seen these lizards? And they just, they kind of move and they walk and they are blue and green. But as soon as they get to an object and they hold onto it, what happens? They change the colors. They are conforming to the colors of their, of their society, of their culture, of whatever is around them. Paul is actually saying this. Don't be a chameleon. It's like the, in Canada, our salmon don't swim the current. They jump the current. Have you ever seen this on TV? The salmon will jump over waterfalls to, to get up to their spawning grounds. They are moving against great current. They're not going with all the other fishies. They are like, I'm out of here. They need to be transformed. The Greek word here is morphe. Morph That's where we get the word metamorphosis. It is a transformation from the inside out. It's not just the outside colors, but it's from the inside out. The transformation, this morphing process comes from where first? Here. Your mindset, how you think, how you process your environment. And that is just that. It is a process. Do you just magically transform overnight? Oh, I think all of us in the room would say, I wish. 
But let me just open this up. I think if we're open and humble and teachable to see how the word of God could rewrite code in my mind, my brain, like I had told you one time, I thought, felt like when I became a Christian, uh, my, my mind was a bunch of wires twisted like a rat's nest. And I felt like the Lord had just taken my wiring and went, snip, 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 snip. And then he went, red wire to red wire, blue wire to blue. That's sometimes for some of us exactly how this rewriting process is. Let me just give you some meaning. When I first became a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I wanted this renewing of my mind. I, be, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I said, Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. This is, so if you're still on the fence going, I don't know, I, I'm not a Christian. I don't know how to do this. this is, I'm telling you, here's how you do it. Say, Lord, I, I, I ask you, forgive me. I understand that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross to forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. You, I am not the pilot. May you be the, I want you to be my pilot in my life, the manager of my life. Amen? And I became this follower of Jesus. Party in heaven. We're like, ah. Then Romans 12 came. I wanted a renewing of my mind. So I asked the question, what was going in my mind that was wrecking me? year after year after year. And sometimes it's what goes in is like media. So I'll just use the example of media. I was listening to a lot of heavy metal and rap, okay? So these lyrics informed how I live, what I cared about, and how I portrayed myself to others. Now, I don't live and die by these lyrics, but let me give you an example of some music that I listened to. I used to listen to this band called ACDC. ACDC. That's a very nice image. Okay, so look at these lyrics. To Highway to Hell. Living easy, living free. Season ticket on a one-way ride. Asking nothing, leave me be. Taking everything in my stride. Don't need a reason, don't need rhyme. Ain't nothing I would rather do. Going down party time. My friends are going to be there too. Yeah! I'm on the highway to hell. On the highway to hell. Highway to hell. I'm on the highway to hell. No stop signs, speed limit. There's no consequences to my sin. Nobody's going to slow me down like a wheel going to spin. Nobody's going to mess with me because it's all about me and my life. Hey, Satan, paying my dues, playing in a rock band. Hey, mama, look at me. Oh, my gosh. So when you hear it, you're like, ah, I win it. It's like, oh, it's fun. But if you read the lyrics, you're like, oh, my gosh. This was informing me, and I listened to ACDC, and like I listened to Metallica, and I listened to like Queensryche, and, and all kinds of crazy stuff, Black Sabbath, and Tool, and all that. The absolute fatalistic and gross lyrics were the standard that I would rock out to often. I allowed this cultural color to be the chameleon. I changed my colors to this. So when I was challenged by this, not by the other Christians going, you need to turn or burn. Actually, there needed to be a burn. And there needed to be a turn. So I, ga I gathered all my CDs at the time, and I put them into a fire. Probably not the most ecological thing to do at the time. Crazy blue smoke and green or whatever. But I knew that this couldn't continue to have a place in my life. I couldn't have my mind thinking on those kinds of lyrics. I knew I needed a drastic change. Now, granted, I was saved in my 20s, and I had 
grown up through listening to like uh, Beastie Boys and Run DMC and Ice TOG and, and Metallica and Black Sabbath. I'm like, so fine, that, that informed who I was. But if you were raised in a Christian home, hopefully your parents were able to go, oh, don't listen to that. Oh, that's kind of nasty. The Buddhist would say, clear the mind. Empty your mind. But not with Christianity. We want to discern what is good and pleasing to the Lord and put that in. If you're a computer programmer, Phil, you know this, you know the, the acronym GIGO. Garbage in, garbage out. That was coming in all the time. So it changed how I was. I was aggressive with people. I, didn't, I had a fatalistic kind of um, component to my life. I, I didn't really care about if anything happened to me. It's all about just party, party hard, sex rocks and, and sex rock and roll and drugs and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, you get me. So here it is. I burn everything, then what? 1995. Put up the next slide for Jars of Clay. We're gonna play, we're gonna play this song. This was the first album I heard and the first song I heard called Liquid. We're gonna put uh, the image and the song. Can you put the image up as well? See the lyrics? It should say Jars of Clay. Do you, do you have the image as well? Okay, this is the first song I heard in 1905 when I got saved. And you'll see the lyrics in a second here. The, the difference in what I was listening to. Arms nailed down. Are you telling me something? And eyes turned out. Are you looking for someone? Bloodstained brow. Are you dying for nothing? Flesh and blood. Is it so elemental? The one thing. The one thing that I know. Okay, you can put up the image, but just lower, just uh, turn the music off. So here was the first song of the first Christian album I, oh, there it is, I heard in 1995. Bloodstained brow, are you dying for nothing? Arms nailed down, you didn't die for nothing, for nothing. Yeah, this is the one, the one thing, the one thing that I know. Yes, it's the one thing, the one thing that I know, the one thing I know. He goes, this, that's all about Jesus dying on a cross. Now, of course, it's a, it's a catchy tune. Do you remember this album from 1995? And all of a sudden, I was like, okay, so I thought all Christian song was like, blessed be the name of the Lord. Like, and I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to have to listen to this song for the rest of my life? But then this, these guys came out, and on top of that was like Hocus Pick and Third Day and all those. But all of a sudden, I was like, garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. And I was like starting to replace my ACDC with the likes of jars of clay. 
God will always provide a way. If you are honest and teachable, saying, Lord, I want the renewing of my mind. The word of God is the first place. But God is going to bring people, bring songs, bring books into your life that will rewrite, recode your brain. Amen? Look at chapter, chapter 12, Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. Paul continues on, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service, like soup coming up right away, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts or encourages in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul uses this familiar image that we have talked about before here at the church, that the church is not so much, it's a funnel like the family, but it's also the body. Each of the body is unique and special, each part with its unique purpose. And we need all the parts to work in full sync and unison, or else we're going to be limp or blind. Paul reminds us first to be not self-absorbed and to be full of themselves, to, to honestly ask the question, what is my divine or God purpose for me? Like mentioned about your spiritual worship, you can be equally as important as a bricklayer or a teacher than a prophet or even a pastor. I have a great uh, video clip that we're going to show of uh, the Greek word temet noche, and we're just going to play it. Not too bright, though. You know why Morpheus brought you to see me. So, what do you think? Do you think you are the one? Honestly, I don't know. You know what that means? It's Latin. It means know thyself. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Being the one is just like being in love. No one can tell you you're in love. You just know it through and through, balls to bones. Well, I better have a look at you. Open your mouth, say ah. Ah. Okay, now I'm supposed to say, hmm, that's interesting, but then you say. But what? But you already know what I'm going to tell you. I'm not the one. Sorry, kid. You got the gift. 
But it looks like you're waiting for something. It looks like you're waiting for something. What? Your next life, maybe. Who knows? That's the way these things go. Who? Looks like you're waiting for something. Now, that was from the iconic Keanu Reeves is so young here. That's the first Matrix movie. And he is being told that he is going to be the one to, to break the entire Matrix. And he goes and sees the Oracle, and the Oracle is like, look above that, temet noche, this Latin word, know thyself. Paul challenges the church to temet noche, know thyself, to have an honest assessment of who you really are, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, and in some cases, your disabilities and limits. And I love that he says, I don't know, kid, maybe you're just waiting for something. I think there's, I've met so many people that are so gifted. And he says, if they've been waiting for someone, maybe like me, the senior pastor, to go, we'd love for you to come up and share. And they wait for years Know thyself. God, God is asking you this morning to really take a deeper dive this morning and ask the Lord, what, what is my spiritual worship? Every gift, every good gift comes from the Lord. These gifts that we see that Paul un unpacks here is the Greek word charismata. Maybe you've mentioned someone to say, hey, what kind of church do you go to? I'm a charismatic church. That's the, where we get this word. We see the gifts of the Spirit. These are gifts that are being given from God, and they're not manufactured by yourself in some kind of back room, or I'm going to be a prophet, I'm going to be this. And usually if you try to be something that you're not, you'll be fake or counterfeit. We have these gifts we are to use these gifts. Don't be like Neo and just be waiting and second-guessing yourself. Like some of the parables that Jesus strongly upholds, the idea that these gifts are not to be hoarded or not used, but they are to be used and to be multiplied for the growth, not of the C3 empire, but for the kingdom of God. Look at these gifts like prophecy. Pro prophecy doesn't mean like you come up and have to grab the microphone and have a word every single Sunday. But you might be sitting at home and go, I think I got a word that I need to tell Tim or, or Ken or, or Josh. And you come up to them and said, I want to use my charismata. Would you permit me? And, and you say, yeah, like, I think I'm supposed to give this word. Or maybe it's practical service. Maybe you're like a person that's like, I never want to be on the stage, but I'll make the coffee every single morning. Or I'll stand at the door and greet people. Or I, and we know like some of those people already in this church, they have just this amazing charismatic gift of hospitality, of serving. Maybe it's teaching Maybe you don't like the, the, the limelight of the, of the stage, but if you said, oh, but I, I'd love to do a teaching on, you know, spiritual gifts or a teaching on, this, on, you know, eschatology or the end times. Exhortation and encouraging, literally, the Barnabases of the church to come alongside people, not just on Sundays, but 
at all times and in having a word of encouragement, sharing in generosity, leading with great zeal, and being proactive in mercy. I saw one of our street friends by the gate this morning um, having a sleep and in the, instead of, I'm like, oh, we have to clear the gate because people are going to come in. I wanted, I wanted to go first and, and ask her from the other side, say, would you like to have a cup of coffee? Invite her to come and have soup Sunday. Being proactive in mercy. So Victor and I, we run a, a men's group, meets fortnightly on Thursdays called CORE. And our CORE group met at, Rob, at Rob's house on Thursday night. And I just want to just say, can all these happen in one night? And we did. We said acts of service, people bringing cookies and opening up their house for, for coffee. There was mercy. And, and one of the things I said to the group, I said, instead of us just getting down and just praying, I said, every single one of you guys needs to have an encouraging word for one of the guys in the room. And so by the night was over, every one of those guys not only received a word of encouragement, but gave a word of encouragement. We did not conform to what the world says about how men should act. The, you know, the South men, they, they say, should be all right, Mike. Like, I'm not going to tell about how I'm truly feeling. But as this group of guys met, we were able to speak clearly, truthfully, about how we were feeling, how we were speaking to one another. And we allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds and give us a new space of redemptive talk and support for the group. So I want you to just all stand and rise. As we finish off our sermon this morning, I'm going to invite our team to come up. The other day I got convicted from the Holy Spirit um, about how I end my preaching because lately I've just been ending my preaching um, and then saying, that's it. So I, I, I'm going to do what I used to do when I was in YWAM, is just uh, end with some prayer. So everyone put your hands out like this, and we're just going to receive what the Lord has for us this morning. Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus for every single person here this morning. You can start playing something, guys that we would not be chameleons in the name of Jesus. And Lord, forgive us, Lord, if we have become chameleons because it is safe or comfortable. We pray for your minds right now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Garbage in and garbage out. We want to just rid that garbage out in the name of Jesus. And we ask this morning for your Holy Spirit to start to write new code in our brains men and women and for children and for our teenagers and our grand and our grandchildren that there will be a renewing of the spirit in our minds first there will be good in so we have good out do you need a refreshing this morning put your hand up if you need a refreshing I see that hand God sees your hand I need a refreshing, Lord. Do you know yourself? Some of you are still trying to figure out what your life is, what your spiritual worship is. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you who you are.
And like I mentioned before, maybe the first thing is that you are not junk. You are not a mistake. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're a child of God. You are his, bought with a price, adopted into his family. Maybe that's the first place to surrender this morning. Before we look at gifts, before we do anything, may we find that place of being first in the name of Jesus. And if you are some of you here this morning that go, I'm still not a Christian, I don't know where I fit in this, this is an opportunity to pray to God the Father to accept the, the penalty and the, and the saving grace of Jesus and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we pray for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the Spirit to move through charismatic gifts, gifts that you know you could not manufacture on your own, but you would start to move right now in the name of Jesus and the gifts of prophecy, speaking in tongues, gifts of mercy, hospitality, healing. Oh, Lord, we want to see miracles move in our church, in our city. Amen? Just be in that space right now. Just continue to be pressing in as he is faithful to press into us. Let's sing this one song.